it wasn't lined up with the, uh, the B's and the G's. So I think it should be working. I didn't put... This is Dave KZ1O, and welcome to a special episode of 99hobbies.com. Hi, welcome back to 99hobbies.com. This is part two of a two-part extravaganza where I visited a couple of ham fests on the east coast of the United States. The first one was in Richmond, Virginia, and this one is in Orlando, Florida for the Hamcation. It was held in February 2009, and I talked to a few people that were uh, manning the booths. Before I get into the technical aspects of the Hamfest, I'm going to talk to somebody who is at one of the most popular booths in the whole joint. I'm with uh, Terry at uh, Brenda's Catering, and uh, when I walked by here, I, I had the uh, smell of barbecue. looks like that's what we have set for lunch. How are you doing, Terry? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, you guys get started kind of early in the morning, don't you? Yeah, actually, we start the night before. We put all the meat on the night before, and the meat cooks about 15 hours, the pork and the beef does. And about 4 o'clock in the morning, when we do ribs and stuff, we put the ribs on about 4 o'clock in the morning, chicken about 4 o'clock in the morning. And then let it all cook till about 9, and then we start cutting everything up, getting it ready for lunch. And we usually, by about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, got everything ready to serve for the lunch crowd. Uh, but we still, throughout the day, uh, got a lot of chopping to do. You know, we cook about four cases of pork meat, and usually about two cases of ribs. That's about the size of it. Probably a case case of chicken, something like that. Now, do you usually have any leftovers at the end of the day? Uh, every once in a while, depends on if the day's busy or not. Uh, sometimes we got leftovers. Most of the time, we don't have a whole lot left over. It's barbecue usually sells more than anything out here at, at these shows. <laughs> well, that's great. Thanks for your time, Terry, and uh, good luck. All righty. Thank you, buddy. One of the things about Hamfest, besides buying and selling things, is uh, is a social aspect. And guess who I ran into? Hi, Mark. How you doing, Dave? Great. I, I see you have a nice uh, prime spot here in the corner. Yep, we're uh, we're at uh, Orlando Hamcation. It's been a very busy ham fest and uh, uh, selling some things and uh, trying not to buy much. <laughs> you've, you've heard Mark, obviously, before. We've uh, both done podcasts together. It looks like you, you kind of cleared out the uh, the attic. <laughs> That's about it, yeah. Uh, normally I come here and you know, buy radios, uh, antennas, uh, whatever, but this year we're just uh, kind of cleaning out the uh, attic. You mentioned uh, before we started the show that uh, you've seen a few people that you haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, and that, of course, that's really, I think, probably one of the best parts of the Hamfest is, you know, is the networking and, you know, seeing people, faces you haven't seen in many years. And um, certainly it has happened this year. You know, we talk about it with with a country with a trade deficit and a trade surplus. Have you... uh have you made more money than you've spent while you've been here? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's surprising. You look at certain places, and you would never know that, you know, there are supposedly, um, well, there are, there are economic issues, of course. But, I mean, as we look across the room here, you know, we look at hundreds and hundreds of people, and we're just in one small building. 
So, you know, it's amazing the amount of traffic. They, they actually uh, had an announcement of, of a prize winner, and the ticket number was, was 7,773. That's a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what the attendance, uh, the actual attendance numbers are. Um, obviously, Dayton is, um, I think, the winner, but uh, Orlando Hamcation comes in uh, maybe at number two or three yep. in attendance. I'm sure having a blast. There's a lot of people here. And uh, I'll let you get back to your booth, Mark, but uh, great to run into you. Yeah, and great to see you, Dave. Good to have you come down from uh, cold uh, New England to uh, nice, sunny, right. warm Florida. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you, uh, Mark KB2, uh, EGB, 73. 73, Dave. Today I'm here with Jerry Gross, WA6POZ, with 1010 International. Hi, Jerry. There. How are you doing today? Oh, just great. I'm having a good time here in Florida with all the sunshine. I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about 1010. Okay, 1010 is an international amateur radio organization that was founded in about 1962. The whole purpose of it back then was to keep 10 meters active because at that time there was fear that the FCC was going to allocate the lower portion of 10 meters to the expansion of the 11-meter band. Okay. Um, since that time, uh, we've proven over and over again that the 10-meter band is active regardless of the condition of sunspots. The whole principle behind 1010 is, again, to keep it active, and we do this by recording, uh, having programs that encourage the use of the exchange of the 1010 number. And the 1010 number is sort of a membership number that we will give you after you make the initial 10 contacts. So you just don't join the organization. You have to get on 10 meters and make 10 contacts. Then once you get the, the 1010 number, you then exchange it with other 1010 members, and we have a whole program, uh, QSO parties, awards programs. Uh, we have phone uh, parties and CW and digital. Uh, we have a mobile uh, QSO party. We have a 1010 sprint on October 10th. Um, we have uh, awards programs, worked all states, uh, worked DX, prefixes. After you get five, we have bar awards, which is the primary award. Every, you get a bar for every 100 contacts you make with a new member. Oh. After 500 contacts, you get a VP number, and there's a whole other program with VP numbers. Uh, one of the unique aspects of 1010, we have a biannual convention, by the way, a new one. Our next one is in May and July here in Orlando. Oh, of this year, 2009? The, yeah, and it's uh-huh. every other year. We vary from city to city. But one of the unique aspects is all our awards are free. So you pay your $15 a year. And you don't pay anything else. You get the news and so forth. The number is yours for life, whether you pay your dues or not. You can keep, in fact, as we encourage people to keep exchanging the 1010 number, even if they're not a paid-up member. Not being a paid-up member, this does not entitle them to awards or certificates. Mm-hmm. Okay? The other unique feature is that we have a QSL bureau that is free. And if you collect QSL or exchange QSL bureaus, it just doesn't have to be on 10 meters. And it doesn't have to be U.S. only. It's anywhere, any place. If you're a member and have envelopes in our bureau, you tell the people on 40 or 80, 160 or 2 meters, phone CW Digital to QSL versus the, via the 1010 QSL Bureau, and you'll get your cards. Again, completely free. Well, that's quite a deal. That's, that's hard to beat just by itself. Um, we have found that our dues, which have been... $15 a year for the last uh, 10 years are sufficient to cover all our expenses, and we have built up quite a surplus. And our purpose is, again, not to make a profit, but to give the services back to the membership. 
That's great. And one of the things that I like about it is that it's an ongoing, it's, yeah, you're a member, but it just seems like it gets getting bigger and bigger and more and more fun all the time. Well, we, we, I try to think of it as a family. Uh-huh. I mean, here we are having a convention, and we're, it's, it's not the typical convention. I call it a gathering. We don't have uh, exhibitors, per se, of uh, a Yesu or an ICOM or something like that. It's, we have chapter tables. We get chapter tables from all over the world. We'll have chapter tables here from Germany, from Canada. I think we're getting one from either Australia or New Zealand. I'm not really sure this right now. But we all sit around and chat. And we had it two years ago. We've had it uh, in Omaha four years ago in Arizona. Uh, we try to vary it. Uh, I've been to Germany at the, with the German chapters. We had a get-together. Uh, they have it every year, but I was there two years ago in April. Um, and it's, it's, we, it's family. Um, we have our people that you know are, are big into contesting and so forth. But I think for the majority, and it's what keeps us active in the low cycle, it's the opportunity to work the same people over and over again, see how you're doing and so forth. And I know that when someone becomes a silent key, it, it always, people feel it. And we have a, a plaques and memorials for silent keys and everybody's, you know, um, unfortunately that's the only way we're going with these days. <laughs> and, but, it, but it's nice to know that, you know, a worldwide, uh, and we have members in Russia and, and, and Israel and Saudi Arabia, um, that they're still members. And I, I complimented them in my latest article because um, these are the people that we haven't talked to in years. Hmm. And yet they're dedicated to still pay their membership and, and, and keep active in activities, either locally or trying to get it internationally. And that's really unique. I don't think you can say that in many organizations that are international, that the membership is active even if there's no propagation. That, that is nice. And... I've I've listened to some of the contests that you guys have on 10 meters when it seems like the band is closed and all of a sudden it just opens up for the contest. We don't call ours contests. We do have one, but we call them QSO parties because they're supposed to be more relaxed. Yeah. Um, You know, it's just not changing uh, Jerry Omaha 5-9. It's... How how was the weather down there today? You know, uh, you're not... You shouldn't be... Especially now... Of course, I don't know. It has two two connotations. If the band is open and you've only got shorter cycles, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times people stop by and say, "How do I get a ten ten number?" And the whole idea is, is to get people to join. And so you take the five or six minutes or seconds, whatever it takes, to give them information. So it, it's a it's a friendly atmosphere. We do have one contest. It's a PSK digital contest in June. That is a combination with um, two other organizations, EPC and uh, uh, one other digital organization. I can't think off the top of my hat. That's a pure contest. Mm-hmm. But everything else is supposed to be more relaxed, more casual. And that's the, that's the, the genre of 1010. Well, that sounds awfully interesting. I Actually, I, what I'd like to do, if we could, Jerry, is uh, maybe get hooked up on the phone sometime and you could tell me more about 1010. No problem. And actually, if you want to visit our website, www.ten-ten.org, um, there we have the beacon list. We have a membership lookup. Um, by the way, 1010 does offer four, uh, 10, uh, four 1,500 scholarships, and it's unique because I just found out today 
that we're the only scholarship that is good for graduate students as well as undergraduate work. Oh, that's that's great. That that's really important. It's interesting. I didn't know that until today. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but you know, we're here. We're we're trying to help in the community. Um, we're not we're not activists in the either political arena or even really the amateur radio arena. Uh, we feel that because we're international, to take a position with either the league is not appropriate, but we do support the league as members should. And we also say the same thing for whether the German members should support DARC and the Japanese members and whatever. But we don't try to take a political stance one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, Jerry, WA6POZ, thanks for your time. You, uh, I just kind of collared you here. You didn't have any time to prepare for the interview. Thanks so much, and uh, have a great time with the Hempfest. Thank you very much. I've, this is my second year at, at uh, Orlando, and uh, I'm enjoying it. This year I got to go outside for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Thanks again, Jerry. No problem. I'm here at the Orlando Hamcation talking to Jim with Lido Mounts, and this is probably going to sound a little bit like a commercial, but... Uh, this is one of the first things I bought when I came here, just a really novel solution for people that have a radio and a small car. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about some of these solutions that you have here uh, for mounting control heads and so forth, uh, say, in a small car. Sure, Dave. Um, the philosophy behind our company was to offer uh, amateur radio operators mounts uh, that could be attached to their car without having to drill holes. And we're finding that uh, most of the remote heads for amateur transceivers now, or most of the radios for amateur transceivers have remote control heads. Um, so we offer a wide variety of uh, mounts for those, like cup holder mounts, mounts that go in your vent. Uh, we offer adhesive mounts um, that can be put on your dash or console, and the adhesive can be removed without leaving a residue on your dash. Yeah, that was really attractive to me. Um, there's a lot of times I've wanted to put something, say, on the dash, but when I want to move it or when I want to sell the car or something, it can be a problem. Right, yeah. Um, I spent about 20 years at ICOM, and when we announced the 706, one of the, the problems we ran into when I was working with that company is that in the box to mount the control head was basically a bracket and four long screws. And uh, most of our customers called us and didn't want to drill four holes into their dash. So thus came the idea of uh, finding different mounts that we could put in without leaving any, without drilling holes. So uh, before the show we were talking a little bit, and you said that you let your license expire because you lived in a place where you couldn't put up antennas. And it sounds like... This is a way for people to stay on the air by putting a radio in a car. That's right. Yeah, when I uh, actually, ICOM moved me down to Newport Beach, California, and uh, the they, uh, covenants is down there. Don't let you put any antennas up. And because uh, I've been down there about ten years and let my license lapse, uh-huh. uh, which we need to get that fixed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it allows people to put radios back in their car. Um, it also keeps their spouse happy um, if they use their spouse's car. Um, and a lot of people are leasing cars these days. They're not buying oh, yeah, them. Yeah. So when they go turn the car in, they, they uh, with, with our mount, they can just uh, take the adhesive disc off without leaving any residue uh, and turn the car in without having to pay a penalty or anything. Well, that's great. It sounds like a, a great application. I'm looking at your handout here, and the website is www.lidomounts.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Now, do you have some... Uh, pictures and illustrations about how these different things work? We do. Yeah, on our website we do have a lot of different pictures of different radios connected to our mounts. Um, We don't have a lot of actual install 
pictures, but we do have a lot of good photos with the radios attached to our mounts and how to do that. Okay, well, that's great. That's just another reason why people need to uh, show up at HamFest. I, I guess if they go to your site, they're going to have to pay for shipping. That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. Yeah, here it's free shipping, and you get about 20% off. That's right. So uh, come on down to Orlando next year and, and check it out. Well, thanks so much, and have fun at the HamFest. Thank you, Dave. I'm with Fred, KF9GX from Far Circuits. Hi, Fred. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. Uh, I, I walked by and saw the display of all the kits you have on the wall, and I was amazed. Can you tell me a little bit about the company and what's up there? What I have are the printed circuit boards for all the projects that have been published probably in the last 30 years uh, in QST and Ham Radio, the old Ham Radio magazine, 73's magazine, QEX that's been in the handbook. I've got a few that's been uh, in popular electronics. Uh, handle the printed circuit boards only for the projects and then have the documentation for them. There's a, a couple ones that I do have the complete kits for, but uh, there there's a few here and there. Okay. I do handle some of the uh, kind of very unique parts for them, uh, some of the projects. Got started about 38 years ago, <laughs> and uh, it's been, been a hobby tight business for me up until about three years ago when I finally uh, got downsized at uh, where I was employed and now I kind of do it as a full-time semi-retired job. Okay well um, tell me about some of the I I must have seen over a hundred plans that were hanging on the wall what give me an idea of some of the different uh, types of projects. What I would have would be uh, the main things like a transmitter for uh, the ham bands, uh, a receiver, uh, the a transceiver uh, for the ham bands, for QRP type accessories, uh, microphone preamps, uh, RF amplifiers, and all the accessories you know you would kind of use SWR bridges, uh, circuits and boards for those. And these are all things that have generally been presented in some of the different ham magazines, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, if somebody wants to uh, look at an online catalog or something, where would they go? They would go to my website. I have a website at www.farcircuits. That's F-A-R-C-I-R-C-U-I-T-S dot net. Dot net. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes so that people can click on it if they want to. And do you... Uh, you normally go around to different ham fests and, and set up? I attend probably about three to four ham fests a year. I make Dayton ham fest. And, oh, that's coming uh, up? That's coming up in, oh. May, in May. And this is the first time I've come down here. I wanted to try this one. We do uh, a couple of them up in Illinois also, northern okay. Illinois. All right, well, I'll let you get back inside. There is a lot of people at the uh, the table that look like they want to spend money. Thanks for uh, spending time with me, Fred. And Thank you, Dave, for, for talking to me. Okay, so long. I'm here with Bob, K1NOK, with uh, Ham Test Online. Hi, Bob. Hi, Dave. How are you doing today? Great. I was uh, looking at your booth. You've got a lot of activity here, and I think this is uh, another one of those reasons people can come to a, a Ham Fest and uh, upgrade their license or find new things to do. Right. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, this has probably been one of the best Ham Fests here. I've been coming for 10 years to Orlando. Really? And this has got to be the biggest time I've ever seen it here. I noticed that uh, some of the tickets they called for the winning tickets were in the 7,000s. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, a, that, that's unbelievable. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. In fact, I just heard a few people say it's bigger than Dayton, and as you know, Dayton is a national convention. Sure. Really. Uh, uh, tell me a little bit about the company and um, 
Who, who can use uh, HamTest Online? Well, HamTest Online is a web-based software program to get you any license you would like. For example, you would start off with a technician the, uh, and, and go through the general and go to the extra. What's different about HamTest Online is that it's a program that gets to know you. It's an interactive program. The way this works is quite simple. You start studying for a particular license, let's say in this case the general. You go through Section 1, you study the information in Section 1, it'll ask you a few questions. You answer a few questions. You get question 1 right, question 2 right, question 3 wrong. It then comes back and tells you what the correct answer is and reinforces the reason why it was wrong initially. It gives you enough information to understand the question. What happens from that point on, the question is repeated a lot more than the questions that you had previously got correct. So it's not just a list of questions and answers. It really is an interactive. That's right. It's not a memorization program. The program is designed to make you designed to make you think and to understand exactly what is going on. Uh, you read a book. I know I studied using a book, and I must have fell asleep ten or fifteen times before before I and I'd be halfway <laughs> down a page. I'd have to start all over again. This doesn't let you do that. This works like your mind works. You're always active with the program from answering questions into the program. So um, I did hear somebody say, "Well, I don't know if I don't know if I'd still be able to pass." Do you have a guarantee or anything? The guarantee is this: we have so much faith in this program. When you subscribe, you get a two-year subscription. A two-year subscription is just that: you have two years to get your license. If you don't get your license in two years, you will receive 100% of your money back. That sounds like a deal that uh, can't miss. That's we have a lot of faith in the program, and uh, to offer a money-back guarantee, you wouldn't get that with a book, for example, if you bought a book and brought it sure. back in two years and, and you failed the exam. But we're so confident that well less than 101 uh, percent, excuse me, of the people fail the exam. What this program will do, it'll bring you up to the point where you have uh, uh, probably get about two or three times, you'll get 90 or better on the exam. It turns you loose, tells you to make the appointment for your ham test, whatever it may be. Go take it. Most people that are getting 90 on this program will easily get 100. I just had a, a lady come by. She said that uh, she had been studying this for almost two months, and she said, I felt like I was cheating. I got halfway through the question, and I already knew what the answer was going to be. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, you, you can't see Bob here. He just came in from outside. He's a little bit uh, dripping with sweat. We were talking about a, a 90% score. I think it might be 90 degrees outside, huh? Oh, boy, it is quite hot out there. But, you know, I'm, I'm really glad it is because everybody's outside just having a ball. It's got to be one of the best attended Amfests that I've been through in probably four or five years with Dayton accepted. Well, that's great. This is my first time at this particular ham fest. I'm having a blast. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me, Bob. And uh, uh, what's the website for your company? The website for us is uh, www.hamtestonline, one word, uh, .net. Or you can Google the words ham test online is one entire word. Okay. Well, thanks again, and have a good time at the ham fest. Thank you, Dave. It was a pleasure talking with you. Well, that wraps it up for the Orlando Hamcation and this podcast. I'd like to say thanks to everybody who participated. I had a really good time. I'd also like to say thanks to the anonymous ham at the top of the podcast who let us listen in to him doing some testing on the Tampa D-Star repeater. One more thing, I'd like to say thanks to Carol in one TMZ. We spent Valentine's Day apart so I could do this podcast, and I'd like to say thanks to her. 73, everyone, and thanks for joining me here on 99hobbies.com.